Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to AFL Nation. The moment arrives! The Tigers sprint clear, biggest margin of the game. Danaher from 50 metres out, leaps into it and never looked like missing. He comes in, the crowd comes in, he's got it, a thousand goals for Buddy Franklin. Lippertore's onto it, he kicks for Eugle Hagen, couldn't take the mark, they swoop, boots a The dogs are winning. Oh, don't tell me. Caleb's a wrong on the siren. He turns. He snaps, he goes! Hawkins has kicked five. Wheels out to the right, Max gives it the lots. Oh, it's raucous at the G now. Demons fans out of their seats to salute the skipper. Welcome to AFL Nation. An electrifying start to the final series last night at the Gabba. The footy, the controversies, the outcome, it's everything that defines September. And it has fueled the conversation right the way around the country, I'm sure, today. From every coffee shop, in every lift, on every plane, there were opinions being offered and debates being had. It'll take a good bit of topping. What transpired last night. The next two matches of this final series are at the MCG. It is a return to finals footy for the first time since the grand final of 2019, which boggles the mind and does give context to what we've all lived through across that time. It starts with a second qualifying final, second place third. It's Melbourne versus the Sydney Swans. Jared Waitley with you on AFL Nation, our Coats Hire commentary team tonight. By my side is Anthony Hudson. Hello, Huddo. Hello, Jared, and good evening, everyone. It was just great, wasn't it, to be back. We were lucky enough to be in Brisbane yesterday, apart from the 23 degrees, to be back and amongst the fans at the footy, as you've talked about on air today, that we've caught a lot of footy from the Gabba in the studio over the last couple of years. It's hard to believe that it is 2019 since we've last been here for a final, but what a final we have ahead, and... The excitement of last night still ringing in the ears, really, uh, as, the, as the crowd went crazy. What happened? Was there some sort of controversy at the end, Jared? I, I must have missed that. I think it was just the song, wasn't it? They just hit the wrong button. That, that was all. There were so many. I'm looking forward to, as we get time tonight to dissect, so many moments that have kind of been overlooked after all that happened with the arc last night um, that occurred in those last few minutes of the game. And, and depending on the result, we would have been talking about them a whole lot more. But can't wait to see what Sydney, who I've just admired so much this year, the way they've gone from being a bit of a mystery to something that have really put something really solid together in the back half of the year with their young dynamic team, what they deliver and how they challenge Melbourne tonight. Coats, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Legends in the back row tonight, Jared Healy. Hello. Jared, it's great to be here. And I've got a, just want to pose a, uh, a little scenario for you. We've had a great season. The Sharon has been set free finally. We had a classic to start the, se- the season of finals with last night. Imagine if tonight's better. Just imagine if tonight's a better game than last night. There's such can, can you actually imagine a better game than last night? But, I can't, but just imagine if we, if we leave here saying it's topped it. One of the things that surprised me was how 
the game was predicted by all the experts with all the numbers, and it played out exactly mm. to the each team's strength. They kind of didn't really seem to change too much. No one can defend everybody. No, exactly. <laughs> it was uh, it in a nutshell, and that's how it turned out. Dermot Burton, good evening. Good evening, Joe. Good evening, Gerald. Well, I'll go with the Gerald with you this evening you. To, to discern between the two. And good evening, Anthony. Mr. September, good evening uh, to you. Yes, Mr. S- Mr. September down the front here is going to go all right according to the real estate section of today's <laughs> paper too, Anthony Hudson. Hey, uh, if somebody had said to me four minutes before the bounce last night, Brisbane will win without Oscar McInerney. I'd say you're kidding yourself. Mm. In fact, they're going to play. They're going to have their sub on within the first, yeah, the first few seconds of the game, and it's Oscar McInerney not playing. You say, well, that's probably the first wish that Richmond would have. It was a Herculean win to do that without their number one brute out on the ground for ostensibly the entire game. Could it have helped them in a weird sort of way? It gave them a weird look up forward. It was the first time for many, many weeks they've looked really sharp, really fast. And I know a few of them came to the party. Charlie tackled like he tends to turn it on once every six or seven weeks and go, right, tonight it's a tackling fest. His pressure was fantastic. And all the rest of his play falls in behind that. It's been a long-held theory of mine they're too tall up in Brisbane. I think their pressure numbers uh, aren't good enough in the forward half, and I mm-hmm. take your point. They all came to play last night, so but it's about your average. And last night they were forced into playing a smaller forward line. I'll be just interested to see what they do next week. Well, they... Chris Fagan has already said Darcy Ford's playing. Now, right. whether that they could be playing Melbourne. Yep. If they're playing Melbourne, you go, oh, we need Darcy Ford to take on Gorn and Jackson. Or do yep. you actually say, we're not going to win anyway, let's go the other way? I don't know. Yeah, or it could be Sydney. Well, Port Adelaide have gone with a forward who's played in the ruck, yeah. and uh, he's played a darn good season. He finished off well, didn't he, you know, Jeremy Finlayson? Unbelievably well. Yeah. So, look, it's one to consider. I, I just think that they lack a bit of run, Brisbane, and they were forced to play more runners because uh, their big bloke went down. It was the win of the Chris Fagan era. It was. And the scenes around the coach yeah. were just sensational, weren't they? Yeah, he needed it. Uh, I think he even knows he needed it. Um, had a quick exchange of text today, and uh, he said, you know, the boys were great, and uh, it was great for the club, and all of that stuff. But I think from a personal perspective, he deserved that. I think he's uh, he's worked pretty hard. He's been in a good position a number of times, but he just needed a big win. I think the Brisbane yeah. crowd has been there a lot, a lot of times and had some close disappointments. That paid for everything. I've had a number of texts from people up there saying, best game of footy I've ever been to. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to top that one. Yeah. You made a, a, a statement then that he needed it. You, we in the football industry, we, we make out we don't listen to external noise, but we hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't want to hear it sometimes, but we hear it. And we say, oh, it doesn't bother me. Not It doesn't exist within the four walls. Yada, yada, yada. It does. You hear it. And sometimes it gets through the keeper and you pretend it doesn't hurt the keeper. I reckon hearing that, you know, oh, look, you know, such and such is going to be looking at that job. And there's been a lot of sort of, not fire, there's little bits of smoke wisps about the coaching up there. Will Clarkson go there? Will Fags become his right-hand man? All those little words around his tenure, I agree with you. It will ease his mind somewhat as well. Yeah, they've got a great bond, him and the players, but uh, the bond always gets stronger when you have wins yeah, unlikely wins like that one. That's one of the great finals victories, given that McInerney went down so early. Mm. 
hugs that were exchanged. Yeah, that like, that's what finals footy Zorko is. Zorko and Neil straight yep. away, particularly. And, Lions and didn't Joe. play, of course. So, you know, they were out. But their midfield was well and truly down with their yep. injuries, Ainsworth and uh, one or two others. Go on, let's, let's give Richmond something. My number one for the night was when uh, young Jack Ross went for the ball, got a head-high contact. Yep. And young, uh, um, a tiny little fellow, mentally blocked on him again, uh, picked up the ball, Baker, and automatically he went into a blind spin to play on because he did just clearly the, the whistle came late. Yeah. And then he heard the call oh, and yeah. backed out and went, no, it's on the boundary. He went, no, no, yeah. no, I don't want it. Now I paid holding the ball. I thought that is the hardest interpretation of that rule I've seen all season. What happens 12 seconds later? <laughs> the Lions bang one through on the rebound. I thought that was the hardest decision against the Tigers all night. Yeah, the, I'd feel... What's that? And then there's the arc at the end. What, the arc? Hardo, you just spoiled it. Yeah. We've been on air for 10 minutes and no one mentioned the arc. <laughs> We're, we've got we'll get dedicated to time to the arc. We should, we should mention there's an AFLW game going on. There's a curtain raiser tonight or pre this game with... Uh, the D's uh, in uh, in action. They're two five seventeen against North Melbourne. Two straight twelve. Halfway through the third term. Tom Harley's the chief executive of the Sydney Swans. He's with us in the box on AFL Nation. Tom, great to see you. Good evening, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Uh, are the okay, Dan. Hey, are the senses heightened coming into a qualifying final at the MCG? Oh, it's magnificent. It, it only occurred to me, um, Jared, watching uh, three sixty the other day that there hasn't been a final here since the twenty nineteen grand final, and I went to that. Game, so it was. Uh, I, did, I walked to the ground myself. I sat down and watched a quarter of the um, the W by myself. And uh, uh, I guess in my role, I'm pretty helpless with what happens out there. But um, great to be back here. Is it a, a, a night? Do you feel optimistic coming tonight? Do, are you a naturally? Do you feel trepidation? What What's your mood as you come to the footy for such a big occasion? Oh, I think I think all of all of those things. I'm, as I say, not involved in the um, the I guess the performance of the team per se for the next four hours. Um, so I'm a realist as to how much I can control, which is not a lot, but uh, um, naturally a positive person. And I think uh, I'm, I'm sure the boys will acquit themselves really well tonight. Round, th- uh, no, what was it? Round 12, wasn't it? So it's a long time ago. But there, to me, I watched the game back during the week. There's a lot of learnings to be had out of that game, isn't there? It was a, we don't get to play at the MCG very often. And um, uh, that was actually a, funnily enough, albeit an away game, it was a big week for the club. We had our, Jared was inducted as a champion of the Sydney Swans and um, yeah, we, had, yeah. we, had a, uh, we had a heritage focus for the week and uh, great to play the reigning premiers and, um, you know, the Demons jumped us early and... Yeah, 5-1. 5-1 and then I was actually sitting next to Peter Bedford and uh, and... Wills leans over and said, we'll be even at half-time. I said, geez, you're optimistic, Pete. But um, I remember walking away for, to the bar thinking, it's going to be a long night tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 I guess the core tenets of our game um, were really um, honed in at that game, I think, contested ball and, and, and obviously pressure. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a positive performance. Interesting to hear um, a lot of the, the, the talk about who goes to who, who plays on, who expects to get somebody to come to them this week. Looking at that game, you set Mills and Rowbottom to play on Petraka and Oliver. And they flip-flopped a couple of times, you know, looking out for each other. But it wasn't the dogs going head-to-head, you know. It wasn't Parker. It wasn't Warner, who's had an awesome year. It was Mills and Rowbottom. And a lot of the time, you have to 
back in and trust the boys who've done the job in that season and say, I'm backing you again. Otherwise, there's a vote of no confidence. Sometimes players can feel that. Will that happen again? Uh, I'm, and I, I'm genuine on this. I don't know the specific matchups, but I do know our midfield group um, are very focused on two-way two-way midfield midfield work. They play on and off an opponent and, and obviously relish the contest. And uh, you know, it would be great to see Callum Mills acknowledged as an All-Australian for yep. the year that he's had. And, and Rowie, I think, has ended up in the top five for tackles in the competition. Mm-hmm. And, and Luke's done it for a long time. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure that they'll be, uh, they'll be relishing the contest up against um, what's been the benchmark midfield of the competition for the past couple of years. Yeah, I was actually having a look at that uh, midfield during the week and comparing it to some of the great midfields. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's if they can get a, another big win, then all of a sudden, you know, they're going up in history. You've got Keating, Voss, Blackheart, Ashcroft and Lappin, that's a 2003. And you've got Gorn, Jackson, Petrarca, Oliver, Viney, Brayshaw and Harms. I mean, this is, I think, when I come here, it's, it's the extent of the challenge. The midfield group of Melbourne is supreme and yet you're coming into the game with... Hickey and Reed as Rucks, Parker, Warner, Mills and Rowbottom. They're guys who are playing better than their reputations. And they've already got a win against this, this same all-powerful uh, midfield with that particular day. Max had 28 possessions and kicked three goals for memory. So they won't be daunted despite the reputations of this uh, all-conquering midfield. Yeah, I think there's enormous respect, Jared, for the the Melbourne midfield. Clearly, as I said, they've been they've been the benchmark, um, and uh, I know our guys um, they pride themselves on on effort and contest. And um, I think from memory, I watched the game too during the week. Uh, Derman um, Brayshaw played half back, and he's yeah. obviously gone into the midfield yeah. again. So um, it'll be a different looking game. At, uh, but you touched on Max's game that night; it was extraordinary, yeah. and obviously went forward and, and kicked goals. Uh, one of the better individual games I'd suggest for the year so um, we'll have our work cut out for us for sure So when your team looks down the line and they're held up you, you clearly you can win if Max is marking the ball down the line in stationary play but when you have Max and Stephen May there it's different because they really do wax and they force you to take risks by their presence mm. May is one of these guys that cricketers get scared by fast bowling mm. Shane Warne was the first bowler we saw that scared them just with his method. The method of Melbourne scares teams into making decisions that they probably shouldn't. And May has a huge say in that. He didn't play in round 12. No, that's right. He didn't. Um, So the the teams were different. Um, uh, Franklin also didn't play that particular game. So that part of the ground will look different tonight. And and you're right with regard to the... um, with you know, they're really great defenders. They they are fierce and physical in the contest, um, but they also provide. It sounds a bit strange. They provide almost visual pressure when you look up and you see a player. And, and I'd you know, I'd like to think that we've got some pretty um, pretty honest, probably more than honest, key defenders who play similar roles as well. But uh, but certainly Stephen May is uh, he, a bit like we speak. Max being the the benchmark ruckman. Stephen May is probably the benchmark fullback. So isn't he? if if we were to go down and see the whiteboard, and, and I know you appreciate that you said you haven't been intricately involved in in the planning of the team, would we see? You know, steer clear of Stephen May, Max. Don't give the ball hang time in their area, or would that just be something your boys know? I think. I mean, I think with it, when you're preparing for any game, um, there's obviously a, a, a large emphasis on opposition and opposition analysis, and and clearly a focus on what we do as well. Um, you know, I think. Uh, 
uh, I'm not 100% sure what ball movement stat actually is, but it's, uh, I know we rank quite well in it. Um, and to the eye, you know, we, we can move the ball around well, so uh, I'm sure that uh, D50 we'll play to away. F50. That's I figured it must have been, it must have been that, but we do we you know that's that's obviously a strength of, of ours as well, and um, uh, I'm sure that'll be front of mind for the boys as well. Tom, two years ago, yes, we we were uh, beset by COVID, and uh, the Swans, given their their structure and how they operate as a business, were hit pretty hard because it's very much a uh, a spectator based um, financial result. I saw during the week 55,000 members. How's the club responded? How's, how has the, the business responded through the first year post-COVID to a degree? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a, it, we have a, a unique model. We, we're very reliant. I mean, all clubs are reliant on, let's just call them bums on seats. We are very reliant on bums on seats um, with, our, with our arrangement we've got at the SCG. So when those taps are turned off, it was difficult, and yep. we posted a $6.1 million loss. Um, we needed to reset the business from that point of view. We needed to focus on um, yield per membership as much as tally. Um, so we, we made some structural changes internally. Um, and like all clubs, I guess, from a performance point of view, the, the soft cap reduction was um, you know, $3.8 million. And um, we made significant... Ch- the turnover in our footy department, you know, from, say, 40 full-time heads down to 30, the 30 who remain, 55% of them were new as well. Mm. We made significant change. So we took it as an opportunity, as challenging as it was. Um, and obviously from a playing, the players' point of view, um, coming through as a younger team. So, um, But we are relying as a business model on, on bums on seats, and what drives bums on seats is footy performance, so we'll always be a footy performance first club, football club. So how is footy going in New South Wales from an a, a umbrella point of view then? Yeah, it's a, I've got a real passion for it. I, I worked uh, for the AFL up there when I first moved to Sydney and now have kids playing it in, in the local junior leagues. Um, COVID was very difficult, um, like it was down here. Um, one of the unique aspects, and Gerald would know this, the unique aspects of junior football or community football in Sydney is the grounds are shut when it rains. and Even a cloud will shut them. A, a, a cloud on a Tuesday will shut it for a Saturday. And mm. um, to me, that was unheard of. So trying to bounce out of COVID with participation when we've had an extremely wet year has meant that a season, say, of junior footy of 14 games, they've only played six or seven games. Wow. So it's, it's, there are some challenges around that. But in terms, of, in terms of the club, you know, membership's really strong. Participation in our area is really strong. And um, we launched our AFLW season last week and had 9,000 people at North Sydney Oval. Awesome. Um, it Looked was just extraordinary. Too. And, um, and so that, that sort of group of participants, young girls coming through is uh, a real opportunity in Sydney. How would you compare John Longmire to Bomber Thompson? <laughs> Both got great nicknames, Bomber and Horse. Um, uh, actually, actually quite similar in a lot of ways. Um, from a football philosophy, very similar. Um, you know, as a player coming through under Bomber, he was defence first, let's teach the basics right, and ruthless defence, um, and, uh, and, and John's the same. So, um, John, I would say John's more of a relationship builder than, than Bomber was, but I also think that's probably the time as well with, with, with players coming through. I, I think Bomber learnt from Sheeds and under Pagan as an assistant coach, and there was a, you know, let's strike a bit of fear and channel a message through the captain, so I was on the end of a lot of those. But, <laughs> um, uh, but from a footy fundamentals point of view, very similar. You are one of the learned uh, football minds who sits on this side of the boundary, and occasionally we put a microphone in your hand. You're one of the few who's played on Lance Franklin and can now talk about it. Now he's no longer a foe, he's a friend. Mm. 
How's Delance's game changed since when you played on him and what he does now? <laughs> well, firstly... And how'd you go? How'd, yeah, okay. In your own assessment. So I played on Lance Franklin around 22, 2006, um, and tore my hamstring trying to chase him down the wing, and, uh, and we got smashed <laughs> at, at, the, the at the dome. At the dome, yeah. <laughs> at the dome. so um, I haven't torn a ch- hamstring chasing him since, but he, he, he's been obviously fantastic for our club and still such a presence, and he will be again tonight. Um, I think his, his overall maturity within a playing group, so his leadership um, has certainly evolved. And the one thing that caught me, didn't catch me off guard, but that I certainly noticed and wasn't necessarily expecting, is just his love for the game. He's, he just loves the game. He's a massive competitor, a bit of a Pied Piper. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, he's, he's just been a marvel for our footy club. So he'll play on next year then? I hope he plays on next year. And, and it, it, obviously there's been a lot of talk and... Um, we're very comfortable with him parking conversations. He's just focusing on the here and now. And uh, once that decision was made, uh, we're very comfortable with that. It's actually been a good decision, hasn't it? It's just taken it, all the heat out of it. It's taken it off the uh, back page of the papers and yeah. footy's the focus. I think so. And, and once you step back from the emotion of it, Jared, it, it's a really sensible decision as well at the same time. So um, he will have a little strut out there tonight. He hasn't played a final at the MCG for a little while. So, uh, um, and footy's good when Lance is up and about. So, did you hear the rumours during the day that he was out? I got a text about. I got a text about that, which did prompt me to ask the question. Yes. But no, Lance is fine. <laughs> Gary Ablett was out every Friday, wasn't he? <laughs> it was, always that was. rumour going around. Are, are you in the running for the AFL job still? Uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I went on air. It seems about six or seven weeks ago. Um, about the process and and uh, started that, and there hasn't been any further movement to my knowledge. So um, we'll we'll wait and see. Are you in conversations with Leon Cameron about a potential role next year? We and I, I can say, I mean, Leon. One thing about the Swans and the Giants is we work really hard together off the field and got to know Leon. And uh, once, even though you hate each other, they hate each other on the field. Make no mistake about that. But once once um, you know, Leon certainly flagged that Sydney is an option for him, and so. He's a highly respected football person in Sydney and we had a chat, but um, uh, he's obviously working through what he wants to do post-coaching at the moment. But if there was an opportunity, we'd like to explore that. The, we saw the Sunday afternoon against Collingwood and it was a throwback for the SCG. You'll either host a preliminary final or a semi-final. How big an occasion will, will that be? Can you already forecast that? Oh, look, it would be enormous and... and um, I guess that's that's the that's the benefit of finishing in the top four. So so we deserve that opportunity, and we hope it's in a fortnight's time, not in um, seven days' time. But uh, I think for those who were there, or those who certainly watched on TV that round twenty-two game against Collingwood, I'd expect a, a replica of that. It was it was quite a quite a day, wasn't it? It was uh, you know forty-four and a half thousand, the second largest home and away crowd since uh, uh, Sydney have been the Swans have been in Sydney, and uh, great to see. Um, the city get behind the team. It was it was really exciting. What's the capacity of the stadium now? It's about forty six. So right. once you start to hit anything over about forty one, you're starting to talk about site restricted seats. So right. those last couple of thousand, you're not seeing a lot of footy, but you're soaking up the atmosphere. Are there any plans? So obviously the Sydney Stadium debate is a hotbed topic for the NRL tonight. Yep. Yeah. Are there any plans at all to? Um, refurb the SCG? Yeah, that would be the next. I mean, a bit unfair for me to talk on behalf of Venues New South Wales and the New South Wales government, but I I would expect that um, a redevelopment of one of the stands at the SCG would be the next major infrastructure project in Sydney. Yeah, because for cricket and for footy, 
it is needed. It's a majestic ground, but it is needed. It's a very nostalgic ground, yeah. but you, you know, oh, we're next door to the new Allion Stadium, and that's a pretty shiny new toy at the end of Driver Avenue. Yeah. Um, and the SCG members are members of both, so uh, absolutely that would be a focus, I'm sure. Terrific. So just as we let you go, um, team finishes top four, qualifying final, we'll see. Are you ahead of schedule, do you reckon? We were talking about the 18 to 23s everybody is when it comes to Sydney. Do you, do you feel like you might be just a fraction ahead of schedule with this team? I, I, th- I think when you finish in the top four off the back of a final series, we're, we're where we want to be right now. Um, uh, we've got great confidence in the group coming through um, and uh, we're competing tonight as if we're right in amongst it. One final one, Peter Laddams. It was a very ill-disciplined decision. He's had an interesting year. He's been some good and some horrible. How did the club handle that? Yeah, look, it was um, that was handled in, internally with John, and um, John was on record saying he was really disappointed about that. Pete's made some great gains, and, and he had that stretch in the middle of the year that when Hick was out that were really important. Yeah. game here against Melbourne was yeah. one of them. So um, he's disappointed. He knows he's let the team down. Um, but in saying all that, he's a long-term project for us. Tom, it's good to see you. Good luck for tonight. Thanks so much for having us, guys. Good luck, man, for what comes next. Tom Harley, the Chief Executive of the Sydney Swans, with us ahead of Melbourne and Sydney tonight at the MCG. It's the second qualifying final in the AFLW. It's a point. The difference is going to be a thriller in the last quarter. North Melbourne three straight, having just kicked a goal. Melbourne 2-7. We travelled last night to Brisbane with our Samsonite carry-on lightweight luggage. Ever so stylish. And we'll travel again to Sydney either uh, next Friday night or the, or the week after for a preliminary final. So uh, it is good to be following the finals around. But for the next couple, we're at the MCG. 80,000 plus tonight and 90,000 plus tomorrow is where the bar has been set. We'll talk the arc next with Dermot Burton and Jared Healy. Our AFL Nation pre-game show is for Beaumont Tiles, $25,000 advertising giveaway, iCanWin.com.au. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. Welcome back to AFL Nation at the MCG ahead of the second qualifying final tonight. It's Melbourne and the Sydney Swans. We are in the Coates Hire commentary box. Coates, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Dermot Brereton, your call team tonight. And when we take your feedback throughout the weekend, and hasn't the feedback been uh, <laughs> hot today, it'll be on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. Last night, the Elimination final at the Gabba, Brisbane by two points, 16-10-106 to Richmond, 16-8-104. There were 35,013 in to see it. And there's all manner of blazing controversy at the end of it. Most centred on the arc. Yeah, I wish Graham Kennedy was here because I think he would have summed it up uh, pretty well. Arc, and I think everybody's uh, been uh, thinking nice the same Jared. about the arc. It's, look, it's, I think it's added to the game. I think it's been good. I think the technology helps, but there are times where it just doesn't work. And uh, the we had two problems. I think the person in the arc made a blue, uh, and I think the AFL made a blue by 
thinking you can distinguish those post-high decisions through the arc. So there's a couple of ways to improve it and, and don't expose it for its infallibility. So with the, uh, the limitations on technology, if you just simply have uh, anything over the post, yep. defaults to umpire's call because there is no possible way of having a camera angle in our setup yep. that could provide it to you. And the best, the most likely angle is going to be your goal umpire. I agree with that. I think that that's, that should come in straight away, but I would also like them to consider something slightly more radical, and that's just using boundary umpires to the person on the other side from where the kick is coming. That boundary umpire goes and stands at the base of one goalpost, and the other goal umpire goes to the base of the other goalpost, and then you've got the best of both worlds. It's, it's like it's a minuscule, simple solution to fix it for balls above the goal sticks. And that would seem logical, except it brings you back to the original issue here, and that is reliant on a human's uh, uh, opinion. Interpretation, it's yeah. Interpretation. We have the arc because it's meant to be defined and it's meant to be picked up by uh, mechanical devices. I, I, I find no reason here. I'm looking at the goals down there at the MCG. If you draw a line straight across... Somewhere you could put a lock-off camera in the stand so it shoots straight across the post, straight across the head of the goalpost. And when a ball goes across that and you can line that up, you co-jointly run the two pieces of footage together and that'll give you the other angles when the ball is at the goal line. That'll tell you. You make your decision then. If, if, we're, if, if we're spending you know, half a billion dollars or thereabouts on rights... Mm. You can at least afford, you know, a few thousand dollars to set up a couple of cameras that, that are going to give you definitively the right. The right I mean, I, I mean that, that has logic to it, but how much do we actually want to spend on... on I'm not like, sure why you got a bound round by just can't stand there. It costs you nothing. You're already paying it. Well, that's human interpretation. You've got that from the goal umpire he's anyway. Only, he's looking... Yeah, but the goal umpire's on the move. I mean, that goal umpire, I often am bewildered at their positioning. But if you don't have to... If all you've got to do is look up one goal post... That's all you have to do. That's that's going to end up with two, four goal umpires now. They're going to have a goal post each. Well, that's not the. I mean, that's actually the simplest solution before you go to technology. Is every other sport with two posts manages have to two, stand yeah. one on each post? Yeah, they do. And, and given we've got so many, codes. but we we've already doubled the amount of boundary umpires. This, the talk is for a fourth, fourth yep. field umpire. Um, we try and keep water bottle uh, bearers off yeah, the ground. Yeah. We're going to we're inundated with umpires. There's a, the conceit in all of this is that there is a right decision and that that is Correct. achievable yeah. through means. We want that. So my favourite part of today is there's a there's a phone camera in the stands, yeah. which has become the definitive piece. So we as a as a species are more inclined to believe a camera from the 10th row at the Gabba than the goal umpire under the post. Somebody just sent it to me on, uh, on my telephone. So for all that the AFL has is this fellow in the stand with his phone, or, or lady, um, has the best angle of it notionally that might have been helpful. I mean, it, it, it is if you can cross-reference it with the time coding of a simultaneously taken shot for when it goes over the line, i.e. post. Yeah. Is that there, what there are limitations. 
I don't think so. That, that's not simultaneous. There are limitations with yeah. technology, which we are so desperate to overlook. Depth perception is yeah. not there. It's a two-dimensional representation of the three-dimensional. There's the prolapse, which everybody in the industry knows about. Um, talk to cinematographers and cameramen around the, the tricks that a camera can yeah. play. We, we look through posts and convince ourselves that we know what the answer is. So there are... There are flaws inherent in the system, and they played out rather spectacularly last night. I feel like we probably got the right result through the wrong process, which is an error. What did that, you think that's of... That's very well described. I would agree with you there. Tom Brown uh, had the revelation today that... Um, that can't have been right. Sources that he trusts told him that the view and the facial expression of the kicker played some role in it. Now that could. That's crap. It's no. got to be. Yeah. No, you okay. couldn't. You couldn't take that into account because there'll be a lot of acting coming up tonight. If that's the case, <laughs> he might have twinged a hemi while he kicked it. Who knows? Anything you can. You can never take that into account because Harris Andrews' reaction was the opposite. So was it? Yeah. Oh, he looked. He was disappointed. Was he dejected? Yeah. Right. <laughs> he thought okay. it was a goal. All oh, right. Well, it was a goal. Give us a goal again now. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, we're, we're talking about it. it. It is a sport where we have so much. I mean, it's like every sport. We think that the mechanical intervention will give us the absolute 100% certain result. It might get us closer, but there's going to be times when it does fail. Last night was one of them. So do you think we'll get a change for next year? Do you think we could experiment with a boundary umpire? Do you think we get add another goal umpire? Do we get lasers? Or do we just continue on our merry way? We'll continue on our merry way. The AFL will pretend that everything was well, they ticked off on well last one. night. There's nothing to see here. Who, who no, tick- no one will answer for it. Who, is, who, no, no one will answer our questions about yeah, it. That's who, how it'll run. Who ticked off on it from the AFL? They did. They, yeah, they. I mean, so you can see Richmond's point here. They're, they're an organisation which turns over, I'm taking a guess here, $75 million a year. And their season ends on somebody's call that shouldn't have been their call. And they would argue the point that for an investment of $75 million a year, they deserve better. Do you think going back, Libba's goal, do <laughs> you think his point was a goal, Dur? Uh I think that was a point. Sorry, Libba. On his reaction, it was a goal. So. <laughs> right, yeah, that's yeah. right. That would have played a big role. <laughs> Anthony Rocker. There you go. Yes. Yeah. yeah we, we have to believe him. Well, Stephen Silvani. Yep. Touched. Touched. Sorry, Longy. Yeah. Probably no, was touched, do. but if, you don't, if it didn't deflect in those days, <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah, the umpire was listening for Snicko. Thrilling finish to the AFLW match here, by the way. It's 3-8, 26 to 4, straight 24. D's up by two with a minute 49 to go, and North deep in attack. Mm, snap around the court. Go, call it, Hutto. <laughs> what about Richmond's trajectory? How should they – they lost all their close ones. Yep. It thwarted their capacity to make the top four, and it sees them bow out. So they've got to make some. You've got to make your assessments at the end. So how close were we? Well, I I think you've got to. There's two Richmonds. There's Richmond with a fit and firing and happy and invested Dustin Martin, and there's Richmond with with basically no Dustin Martin. And most of the season they played with no Dusty. And I think they did a pretty good job. Unearthed another superstar in Shea Bolton who's been coming along but uh, had his best year, All-Australian year. Got some really good young kids coming through. Looked Didn't like they're going to pick up a couple. his best game last night. I no, was expecting tagged, a bit more. But this is the him. challenge for them all. I mean, all the midfielders are running around untagged. And, and so their numbers are huge. And yep. you put a tag on it and then the real test comes. Can you actually get it 
done when you've got someone who's specifically there just to stop you getting yeah. the ball. So I would answer your original question there, Jared. They're true match winners. Of the new boys they have, you know, those youngsters coming through, they have one of the new generation who is a match winner, and that's Shea Bolton. Mm. The rest of their match winners are in the wrong age bracket. So the end, if they still try and reload and come for another one, those match winners are all going to drop off similar to Hawthorne 2016-17. So are they eight going going up or are they eight going down? I think next year they're eighth plateauing one or two spots either way, but I don't know if they can get to the sharp end in a hurry in one season. And if they don't, I think they're then going to go down fairly steeply. I, I, I don't know if there's many true champion match winners behind Shabon. I like the look of the kid, Sonsi. He moves Looks beautifully. Good, he? Needs yeah. to find it a little bit more. So, do, so does every kid. Um, Cumberland and, and those boys, they look like they're talented players. But, yeah, their true match winners are in the wrong age bracket for me. Oh, the D's have got, sorry, Jared, the D's have held on and got over the line in a tense finish. So they've won 3 8 26 to uh, North Melbourne, 4 straight 24. Both these sides will be contending come the end of the AFLW season. So that's a win that's worth plenty. Uh, we're going to head inside the Demons camp from a men's perspective ahead of this qualifying final in a few moments' time. Score the ultimate listening experience with Sonos. There's game-changing daily, weekly and major prizes to be won. Enter at iCanWin.com.au. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. On AFL Nation at the MCG, Melbourne's women are in their circle singing the song in victory and the men will hope to replicate that in a few hours' time with a place in a preliminary final up for grabs. And uh, Rob Waters from Channel 10 just t- telling us that the Swans are late to the ground. Roadblock wouldn't let them through, so they could no, no joy like we don't. Uh, and they've had to jump off the bus and walk to the gym. <laughs> where from? Not to Tullamarine, hopefully. I think somewhere where Gary Sidebottom was let off, okay. Gerald. Uh, Jared, you the and bus. I did that with uh, Teddy Whitten once. We'll talk about that later. We will. Let's like... head into the Demons camp. Troy Chaplin is with us. Troy, great to have you with us again on AFL Nation. No, thanks for having me, Jerry. G'day, guys. You got you were all allowed in safely, <laughs> I take it? Oh, surely if there's a bus coming in, you just let it in. There's only one group of people that are going to be on that bus, and it's going to be the opposing team. Uh, Richmond traffic attendants, uh, they're very diligent these days. <laughs> no, it was Melbourne who... Uh, yeah, they're smart. That's, your the, officials. that's the first win to us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there a heightened sense? coming to a qualifying final? Oh, yeah, look, there obviously is. It's uh, It's been a great build-up. Um, yesterday at training, it was great to see the supporters down there, and that's that's probably been the biggest difference is we're playing here at the home of footy on our home ground, so you can already see the members are starting to build. There's a lot of, lot of crowd in to see the girls play, and they had a win now, so hopefully we can replicate that um, in about two hours' time. How much do you uh, view and take from the Round 12 loss? Yeah, I, I had a look at it, and it looked absolutely nothing like us, Jared. Yeah. So defensively, we were really poor that night. Uh, we're missing... Uh, Maisie was obviously um, a big out for us. We lost Harrison Petty for a period of the game as well with a shoulder. So we're a little bit unstable behind the ball. Uh, but you certainly have a look at it because there's some things at stoppage that work for them that they might try and do uh, this time around, even though they've been doing a couple of things differently the past few weeks. So you just don't want to get beaten by what you could know. So that's why I went back and had a look at it, and... 
Yeah, otherwise they're in some really good form and playing some really good footy at the moment. So, Troy, you mentioned they did a few things at stoppage. Uh, we saw they, they didn't hard tag or anything like that, but that stoppage, Rowbottom and Mills had decide, uh, designs on playing very physical, very close. And Max had a great game. So there's not all that much different that you would think that you guys might throw this time around. If so, can you give us a little heads up on it? Oh, look, Maxi, no, you're right, Maxi was unbelievable last time, and it was also what he did around the ground as well, aerially. So yeah. last time, um, James Rowbottom sat on Clary. Um, I think Parker did a little bit on track, and what they did was actually worked off of those boys. And our midfield transition running on the night wasn't great, so that's where they exposed us. So we expect a better output from our boys tonight in that regard. But one thing they did do that night was tackle hard and really pressure us and put um, some real intensity around the footy. So we know what's coming tonight, and everyone talks about their ball movement. It's very slick, but they also, when they want to and when they can, they definitely put that pressure around the footy, and that's where they've got teams the past few weeks. So when I looked at that game, I saw the lack of cohesion, uh, Adam... Uh, Tomlinson was down back, and he looked a little bit lost in the synergy aspect with the other two key backmen. Um, very good player, but just was a bit lost that night. Um, you've got Maisie back, but then he's going to have to contend... Well, the, the backline's going to have to contend with a bloke called Franklin this time yeah. around. Yeah, look, Maisie will go to him. He, he's obviously been... He's played on him a fair bit, and... Um, they've had some really good battles, so we expect that match up again tonight. But probably what, where we got exposed last time was when uh, Harrison Petty went off the ground, Jake had to play a little bit taller. We didn't have Hibbo either, and, and Jaden Hunt had to play on Heaney, and that wasn't That's a great matchup for us either. So we had Gussie Brayshaw, who was playing back at that time. We had to throw him on Heaney, and he's one of your best ball movers that you take deep. So, yeah, we were a little bit unsettled behind the ball, so hopefully we get the... A little bit of a good run tonight, and we can just make sure we maintain that stability and cohesion back there. If the Swans elected to use Buddy Franklin as the dummy forward and try and drag May out and have Reed come in behind as the, the true target, or Heaney for that matter, what would your instructions to Stephen May be? Oh, look, we, we'd make a change. I've got full faith in what Harrison Petty can do, so if he needed to go to Bud, I'd be more than happy to do that. Yep. Um, Buddy's not your... Your typical contested marking beast is what Sam Reed is. Oh, I see Sam as their best contested marker. So whether he's playing in the ruck or as a forward, last last time he kicked four goals and had ten tackles against us and played a fair chunk in the ruck. So um, both players, it's it's more whoever's on top. I I let those guys try and do the matchups. It's the same as Jake. If Jake's getting taken away, it's like don't waste your talent and what your strengths are going away from where the ball's going. So. We can manipulate it a little bit, but at the same time, we've got to be able to execute up the ground to allow those boys to do that. So with Brayshaw in the middle, Petrarca's playing more in the side the, in the, inside the forward 50. What's the right balance for him mid-forward? Mid uh, yeah, well, it's, as long as you're getting the ball in our forward half, I, I don't really know what the balance is. His is, is involvement, score involvement's probably the key indicator yep. if he's impacting on the scoreboard but helping others get involved, whether that's as a mid or a forward, it doesn't really matter. But Track's best footy's played forward or centre. That's why I've been able to use him a little bit more there. And, and Gussie's been a real fine for us. I, we've always known he's had the talent, but we weren't sure that that mix would really suit, whether it was Clayton, Vines, Gussie and Track. They sort of, they're sort of the same sort of running capacity, but what Gussie's been able to do is playing half-back. He understands the defensive game a bit more for us, and he can play that role. So... He's actually been fantastic since he's gone in there, and everyone talks about that clause in the contract. Maybe he did have it in there. Yeah, so it's, no, it's definitely there. We've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so.
So well, to answer your question, it's very hard. Like, I mean, if we're getting whacked around the footy, we'll throw him around the footy a bit more. But if we're winning clearance and getting some supplies, best best suited probably playing a bit more forward. So those guys will work that out. And we just we leave it up to track a bit more. Just And it could be a match-up as well. If he's getting tagged, he might go into the middle and start to manipulate there a bit more as well. Melksham's fighting for his spot. McDonald's a potential to come back in, which makes things all a little bit uh, difficult for everybody in the forward line that's uh, just on the edge, but uh, he's, he couldn't be playing any better. Does he get a role tonight on Paddy McCartan, who's the Swans' interceptor, or do you think McCartan will end up going to a Jackson or maybe Gorn if you start him down there? Yeah, look, we've, we've spoken about it, and we, Paddy's obviously a very good intercept player, so Melky will certainly have a role at some stage tonight. Whether that's straight away, it'll, it'll depend on the impact he's having. As you said, he might end up going to one of our tools, so you just sort of let that play. If he all of a sudden wants to go and play on a small, that's when he can be a bit more damaging. So they, they, we've got some plans in place, and those forwards understand what, what that'll look like. But Melky's played that role for us perfectly the last four or five weeks. Last week, he didn't really have that role against mm. Brisbane, so he could just sort of play. And, yeah, we, we know that if someone's getting off the chain, whether that's an aerial player or, if it's let's say, it's Nick Blakey who's, who's winning ground level and starting to use his leg and break open some lines, it might be that player, that type of player as well. For only five games played this year, you've brought back in Joel Smith. Um, from what we can see, which is fantastic, what do you guys see that he's going to give you tonight that you've placed so much trust in him? Well, Joel, Joel will be our sub, and the reason okay. why is that if we lose at all, he can play either end of the ground. Um, let's say for let's say Jacko goes down and Gorney's got a ruck, we can actually use Joel as a forward. He's been playing as a forward the last few weeks, and he may second ruck. Um, if we lost a key defender, he can go down back and play down there. So he gives us that added flexibility um, that we probably haven't had throughout the course of the year. And, with, unfortunately, JJ going down with that foot, it's, it's opened up an opportunity for him. And it's one thing we spoke about as coaches, just if we did lose a tall either end of the ground, we are a little bit light on. We've probably got to move someone like Gus out of the midfield who's been great for us. So that's why he's been able to find himself in the mix now. Is the coach OK? Is he here? <laughs> yeah, he's all right. He's, he was no good yesterday. Yesterday morning when he uh, zoomed into the coaches, he looked terrible. So he uh, he come good just after lunchtime, he said, but it was a, it was a bad 24 hours for him. Hey, that's a bit nasty. Troy, great to have you with us as ever. Good luck. No worries, guys. Have a great call. Troy Chapman from the Melbourne coaching staff. Tomorrow's car is available today, a selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. So as referenced there, Joel Smith is the sub. If you were having a punt, I reckon you would have gone either Bowie or Bedford, but the logic of a tall at either yeah. end in a final. I, I thought it would be uh, Bowie. And Braden Campbell is the sub for the Swans. He's been part of the warm-up. Our Coats High commentary team tonight, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Dermot Burton. Coats, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. Some of the other issues that have been kicking around across the day and throughout the week, Ben Amafio has resigned as the Chief Executive of North Melbourne. So there's the full power shift taking place at the Kangaroos right now. We'll talk about that. Coming up on the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now.
Friday night footy is the second qualifying final. Melbourne hosting the Sydney Swans. And then tomorrow, it's first versus fourth in a twilight encounter, also at the G, when Geelong and Collingwood meet. Jared Wadley, Anthony Hudson, Dermot Brereton and Jared Healy with you for tonight's call. We'll have the preview shortly. We might glance at tomorrow's two games as well. But uh, some of the, the broader material. I think Sam Edmund told us four or five weeks ago that, that Ben Amafio's time as the North Melbourne Chief Executive was up. It was just a matter of trying to work out the day and the manner in which it would be announced. Uh, his resignation came today. It's, it's the, the full sweep. Yep. What was the... Um, didn't want wholesale change, but wholesale change has come to North Melbourne. Well, they may not want it, but uh, I reckon Clarko probably did. So uh, he wants to construct his team, and uh, I think it's the right decision. I don't think anyone's surprised about it. I feel for Ben, he's, he's now looking for another job, but he will get one. He's a, he's a talented person in sport, but um, it does look as if the clean sweep is about, and uh, now the selection process is underway. Whether or not they've got someone in mind already, um, I'm not sure. It's an interesting space, the Chief Executive space, I think. So uh, Essendon are looking for one, North Melbourne are looking yep. for one. I think if you talk to people within the industry, that's, it's probably the, the dearth position. There just haven't been enough executives trained up to be ready to be in that position and, at a footy club. Ultimately, what's hurt the CEOs is football performance, not financial performance. Mm. And I guess both are within uh, in their remit, but really their their skills are more. In, well, there's exceptions with hit, with Tom Harley and other ex-footballers, but it depends on how involved you've been in putting into place the football people. Yeah, and if Xavier Campbell, for instance, has reputedly got his man in there as the coach, as yep. assistant coach, and the handover from Warsfold, uh, etc. So, I mean, that would then give you some responsibility. But you're right, there's not a lot of people out there. And the name, until he says absolutely no again, because he told me on radio a couple of weeks ago that uh, Mark Brayshaw that I'm talking about, yeah. he wouldn't be involved. But, you know, the Clarko-Brayshaw matchup has been a strong friendship, a strong bond for a long time. And it just, it makes a lot of sense yeah. if they can talk him into doing it. And he's got a lot of things outside of his uh, sort of football that are taking precedent. But he would be, you know, he would think it's a, you know... It'd be tempting, I think. Have you got a theory, Jared, as to why there is a, a dearth of... I, I suspect what happened is... You might actually be better placed to answer this, Dermot, having sat on boards. I suspect what happened was the general manager of football became such an important position that was there was a lot of grooming and then a lot of moving into that position rather than moving aspiring to the business position yep. of the CEO. So I feel like Neil Baum saw that grow across the competition, that particular role... Um, That's a good point. Uh, so maybe maybe we funneled people there instead of up to be chief executive. There's a blurring of the lines between the football department and the CEO. So my depiction of what a CEO should be to institute the board's policy decisions, to coordinate all employees at the club, and make no mistake about it, to close the major financial deals, i.e. sponsorship, that the club requires. That's huge. That really gets mentioned. And then if you understand footy, that's a bonus. But it doesn't have to be. Uh, as I said, the first three are more important than that last one, understanding footy. Because your football manager, your football department, that's their job. You, you don't... But then hiring the right people to be that is Jared's point, I guess. Absolutely. Um, well, that's... 
yeah, that's policy decision, how you go about doing that. And you'll, pre- depending on the club, you'll present to the board who is going to be there because that person represents your football department and they will report to the board. So there's all these, we believe this is our right man. What do you say? And then you come back to them and you talk them, you talk them through and you talk the situation through. What you, Alistair is such a commanding figure. He's now overriding a lot of the decisions that have been made at possibly every other club by their board in conjunction with their CEO. He now is, if this is his doing, he's now placed himself above the CEO in the pecking order. And that's... (laughs) tough position to work back from if you want to want to at some stage in the future institute the board's policy which disagrees with the coach but you knew what you were getting and this is it you've got the emperor and the emperor will have his say and he's clearly into a whole lot of tried players is the the trade market is now a buzz with North Melbourne uh, Mitch, sussing out everybody. Mitch Clear reporting uh, tonight that Cam Zerha not confirmed but has agreed to terms on a new two year deal. So that's good news from that point of view. But you're right, they're, they're being linked with everybody every, <laughs> under the sun. And so they should be. They should be looking out there for yep. cheap ways um, of bolstering that group because they've got they've got kids. We don't know how good they're going to be, but they're high draft picks, so we assume they're going to be talented, And but they need some people around them to help them grow. So think your way through that. They've got kids. We don't know all of them. We don't know which one of them is going to be a star, which one is going to be a 100-game player and a really good soldier. And if you bring in six qualified senior players, you've got to drop six kids out. Well, I think, or I someone think it, else. I it's, think it's, it's a balancing act yeah, here as well. I think integrity and selection, like playing kids just to give games into them, never made any sense to me because... Agreed. You know, what's the point of going out there? You don't get a kick. You get belted by 25 goals and, you know, it's just a non-learning uh, environment. But the balance is you've got to get enough people in there to make you competitive and get those kids to push these guys out along the way. But some of these kids, if they, if they go for... Yeah, they'd be polite about it. Alistair, everyone loves success, but Alistair loves the record of success and he will want more wins than perhaps we assume that if they improve under him next year with the list they've got, they might win four or five games. He'll want more than that. And the only way he's going to get more than that is with some tried and true senior players, some foot soldiers who can carry out his instructions. But they should win. Yeah. That should be a bare minimum, I would have thought. What with their, year... their current list right now as oh, it stands? If they bring a bit of talent in, just a year of develop, another year of development of, of the players they've got, and if they have a half-decent run with injuries... So sure. five games, you, you think oh, they I can think jump to a, five games? I think that's a minimum. I, I, you, you see, I think that's a huge improvement on what really? we saw this year, but it's achievable for them. But if you want to win eight games, like Alistair will want to win that many, you're going to have to put some people in there who know exactly that that bin lid size position on the ground to stand on at any one given point in time. You don't want to win eight games for the sake of winning eight games, I do. That's a great question and, and, and uh, sorry, statement. And think about that during next season. Yeah if it looks like happening and they're not going to 
progress more than that. Yeah. You want to win eight going to 12, not eight. Correct. And stabilising eight and just uh, finishing mid-time. So if you're recruiting somebody who's on 150 games who four other teams don't want, but you think he's going to get you to eight games, where's, where's the, the wise thinking in that? Well, I think the thinking there, there would be it, it gets you competitive for a period, but you know he's only going to be there for two years, so he's going to be tipped out and he's going to be make a valuable contribution. But uh, ultimately, your growth is going to come from talent and, and, and unexposed talent at this stage because if they're playing, when they're in the business to win flags, Clarko said that uh, many, many times. It's not coming from the talent he's got right now, so it's going to have to come from but trades. You don't know how and good from, these kids are. You don't no, know no, how good they, some they of them are. They haven't got are. enough of them yet, I don't think, a quantum amount to, you know, to challenge in the top four. They, they've splitting... got the makings of a ripping midfield. Yeah. Would the you make... be splitting the number one pick? Is this... I probably would yeah. try and get, yeah, two, two lads that are somewhere inside the top 16, 15, 18. You if you put yeah. another two into there, yeah. you know, then all of a sudden your six becomes eight. Taron Thomas becomes the player we hope he can be. Um, Simkin, who won the best appearance yeah, last night, yeah. did he? And then Elder, you've got yeah, Davies Uniac. And yeah, so they've got the basis. And each one of them is something different. So Terran Thomas has got that silky movement. He's got the agility. He can kick the ball. Um, Uniac, Davies Uniac is a bull in there. And that, they're probably going to have Greenwood again for another couple of years, another 44 games. And he'll be one of those senior mm. anvils in there. That you just keep banging away at him and it won't bother him. So I reckon... They've got a really good midfield. They, they are screaming out, screaming out for a legitimate first, uh, second push into first string key forward yep. who can mark the ball and make the opposition say, that's a mismatch. We, we can't cover him while, while our best man's on Larky. Yeah. First they step are was screaming for it. Resign Zerha, and it sounds like they've done that. So that Cam Zerha's been there while Larky. He's a third stringer. Yeah, no, and, I agree. And people, are, people yeah. are saying, well, this is a huge thing. It's great that he stays, but he's not getting it done now no. next to Larky. So he, there's, a, there's a, somewhere in between those two, there's got to be somebody who pulls the ball towards him so that the backman just can't lay off and keep spoiling. Larky. Jared, you asked the question off air. Tom Mitchell, uh, it seems as if uh, well, Hawthorne are happy for him to yep. explore. They're actively, I think, happy for him to explore. A, is that good for Hawthorne? Is that the right call for Hawthorne Durham? And, and that question you posed, who, which I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? Which club, if they do a generous trade so they don't have to give up too much? I don't know which club. I don't, I don't because he's a, he's a specialist in many ways. He's still an unbelievably gifted player, but given the game is all about how much you can run, he's, he can only go to a few clubs because the clubs that have already got a Lockie Neal, for instance, or um, yeah, Matt Crouch for, for another one, you can't have two or three of them in your midfield. I don't think Brisbane could, could have him, depending on whether Jared Lyon continues to play. But, but he'll find a home and he might find a premiership. So, and to answer the first part of your question then... It will hurt Hawthorne, but Hawthorne are an eight-win team. I mentioned yeah. the eight wins a second ago, and he's helped them get to eight wins. I don't think he's going to be in the team if they turn into a 15-game winning team per season, which pushes them up to the top four, the sharp end of the ladder. Newcomb, they've decided that Newcomb's gone mm. is more important to their future progress than, than, than Tom. So it will have short-term ramifications and hurt attached to the decision if he to leave. But it's probably the best thing in the long run. Yeah, I don't dispute that from Hawthorne. 
Um, would he would he suit Essendon? He's very similar to uh, Merritt, though, isn't he? See, I, I, he slows the movement of the ball down. He's wonderful. His, his number one asset is something we don't give enough credit to. I said, Jared, you know this world much better than I could ever understand it. But I used to know so the great midfielders, when the Ruckman jumped, the great midfielders, it was almost like they could insert their nose into the belly button of the Ruckman. They are that close. And I couldn't understand how they could see the ball and gather it in one one take from that close. Tom Mitchell gets closer to the Ruckman underneath them than any player in the current day right now. And he's got clean hands when it drops to him. That's his number one asset. And then to spit it out. When he runs across traffic and demands you give it to him and then he runs to the boundary, stops and does a U-turn and then lets the traffic go past him and says, right, I bought myself some time. What's ahead of me? The, the forward's already led another 25 metres. He slows the ball down in general play, but his ability at the stoppage is awesome. Yeah, it's a a team that needs that stoppage player, that's the one who should go for it. Well, and, yeah. he's like a Rubik's Cube. You can spin it a hundred ways, but there is a solution there, I think, and he's, he's, got, he's got great talent, and he, can, uh, he, he, could, he could elevate a side inside the top six to, uh, to really have some enjoyment. And, and whilst we're at it, we should acknowledge one of the great midfield games of Lockie Neal's last night oh, because it wow, was yeah. spectacular. Every second he was involved, he was as clean as I've seen in the pressure scenario. And I think, I think his running has been under-appreciated. Uh, under, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the way he transformed his game in 2020 to kick more than he yep. used to and to hit, have influence on the scoreboard, had a disappointing year last year, a bit of in, form, a bit of uh, injury. But then to add that running element to this year, it's just thing amazing. I've loved about it, Hutto, and, and, and it's, I still say the best midfield uh, uh, season I've seen since, since I've retired is Chris Judd. Because he got the ball in traffic and exited the traffic and, and put space between the traffic and himself when he delivered. To do that is extraordinary. I reckon Lockie Neal has said to himself, enough of just the short handball out to the side or backwards. And he comes out the front way. He powers out the front way now. And that's something that opposition teams hate to deal with. And you said every second. He was literally playing every second of the second was, half. Yeah. Unbelievable. Did not change once. Speaking of which, Derm, Bob Harvey, how far? I'll come back to that. Yeah, good. I, got <laughs> the, I got the look from the Admiral. Yeah. Tomorrow's car is available today, a selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Let's get our Sportsbet update. It's time for an odds update. Thanks to Sportsbet. Sportsbet's bet with mates. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Josh Jenkins is with us tonight. Welcome, Josh. Well, g'day, Jared. What a game this promises to be. Uh, can't wait for this one to get underway. Melbourne are, uh, are considered strong favourites, even though Sydney went to the MCG and got the job done earlier in the season. So Melbourne a buck fifty, Sydney two fifty six. Uh, as uh, what are we about twenty five minutes away? Clayton Oliver's record at the MCG's caught your eye? Oh, phenomenal. He's had 30-plus in 13 of uh, Melbourne's last 15 games. So he's just, you just, you just book him in 30-plus, which uh, I guess 20 years ago would have seemed unbelievable. But he just rolls around and gets 30-plus each and every time. So he's $1.55 to do that tonight. And his wingman, Christian Petrarca, 
He's had 30-plus in each of Melbourne's past three finals. He's $2.50 to get 30-plus. I don't know who Callum Mills will go and sit on. I think he'll go and stop one of them. So if you can work out which one, there's value to be found there. Last night was high scoring. It was a rollicking affair. Tonight, do we expect the clamps to be on? Yeah, I expect this one to be low scoring because that's what history tells us. Each of the last seven games between these two teams at the MCG have all gone under the total match points. The total match points tonight, 160 and a half. So $1.88 for that to go under because these two teams like to get uh, in a wrestle in a hard-nosed, gritty game. So expect that one tonight. And it's just started to rain inside the MCG as well. Josh, thank you. Go well. Josh Jenkins for Sportsbet. Gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. Jared Healy has a question. He's going to pose to Dermot Bruton next on the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. A light shower over the MCG ahead of Melbourne and Sydney in a qualifying final. Our luggage partner at AFL Nation is Samsonite. Unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com.au. Lightweight, stylish, perfect for Father's Day. We had them in action to travel to Brisbane and back last night and this morning. Old Bull, where are we about to take us? I'm going to take you to the 2003 Premiership team of Brisbane Lions. And they had a quintet in the middle of Keating, Voss, Black, Ackermanis and Lappin, give or take. Dermot, if you rated that group at 100, how highly would you rate Gorn, Petrucca, Oliver, Viney and Brayshaw? Yeah, they're pretty line ball, except you can throw Power and McRae into that. Well, I haven't Brisbane. got the word for seven. <laughs> Septet, Septet. Yeah. We're trying to work. But, but just that group. It's almost um, the starting group plus one. Max is a better Ruckman yep. than Keating. Voss is everything the equal of any of the others on the other side. Yep. Black. Gee, you'd have to say Black was the equal of anyone on the other side. Ackermanis on his day could blister anything apart. He's probably played the only game I've ever thought was the perfect midfield game. Against the Cats would remember that in the wet up yeah. in Brisbane. And Lappin speaks for himself. Yeah, and Lappin was just an extraordinary player. Um, the fact that... I think they're, I think the, you could you could mount a cape because Gorn is so good yeah. that in overall personnel, they're equal. There's one thing I will say about this, and I know times have changed, but it's still an attitude. The Brisbane quintet there's killers in there they have kill in them the the melbourne guys are fantastic players and perhaps it's just the era but they don't have footballing killers in there so voss black ackermanis lap and all hall of famers yep keating won't be no gorn will be petrarca and oliver are on track to be I doubt that Barney and Brayshaw will have Hall of Fame careers, mm. so I could I could score you in Brisbane's favour by a quarter. If you added two premierships to that, yeah, 
which is they've got to get the premierships. They do. They're on track to get another one this year, but there's a lot of work to be done. So the, when, when I say and, and kill, a, a killer player, Max is the best ruckman in the comp, and by God, we love watching him play. And that I've seen him several times in the last two years. Somebody trapped under the ball, and and Max being the great guy he is and the ball player he is, he comes through and he fists the ball and he spikes it forward and it goes forward to his team yep. and they might score that. Keating would have killed that bloke. He'd have been carted off. Voss would have killed that bloke. He'd have been carted off. Uh, that's the difference in when I say, and it would yep. have been totally legal, even in this era right now, to go for the ball and cannon into that player. And that's the difference when I say there's an attitude difference. Melbourne, for me, for a team which looks like they could have an era of absolute dominance, they are not the nastiest team in it. And every team that has those eras are clearly and absolutely the utter monster of their era. Melbourne aren't the monsters. I reckon if, you, if you're saying 100 is the lines, I reckon 75 is Melbourne 75. at the moment. With, with, with room to grow. Hickey, Parker, no Warner, doubt. Mills and Rowbottom. Yeah, that's... I'll give you some time to think what score they get. <laughs> Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Anticipation is building here at the MCG. Hutto will run you through tomorrow's finals and then we'll settle in for the preview. Melbourne and the Swans, our Coates Hire commentary team in place. Coates, we're more than hire. We're equipped for anything. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in-store now. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.